I'm feeling like family at this point, right? Right, do you feel the vibes? Two weeks in a row, I'm feeling the vibes. I love this. Um, we're gonna be talking about a really important subject today, forgiveness. And uh, I'm just, I'm praying for your marriages. I'm praying for your relationships with your parents, hurts that you've experienced. And so we're gonna get into God's word today. So I just want you to be open to what God can do. So I'm gonna pray for us. I know we've prayed several times, but I'm gonna pray for us again and ask Jesus to really make us um, receptive to what he would speak to us through his word. Is that okay? Let's do it. So Father, thank you so much for this incredible, um, incredible opportunity to just sort of lay our lives down before you and say, Lord, have your way. We thank you for the song that we just sung, that Jesus, our Christ, perfect, perfect in every way, perfect sacrifice, perfect savior, perfect forgiver, perfect ransom, perfect in every way. And so, Lord, for those of us who are very imperfect, we thank you for the love that you've given to us, bestowing upon us your grace. And so speak to us, Lord. Speak to us through your word. Help us not only to hear, but to do. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Last week we started a a sort of a three-week series about forgiveness. And in the series, what we did last week, just as a quick reminder, by the way, if you didn't, if you weren't here last week and you want to catch up, I, I'm sure that there's like some sort of portal that you can listen to that sermon right through the website. Yeah, just go on to the website uh, at Crossroads and find it and listen to it. It really sets up the rest of what we're saying, but this much I will say. Last week, we talked about forgiveness, and what we said forgiveness was, the definition that we gave was canceling a debt. That when you sin against me, you open up a debtor, debti relationship. That when there's something that you do against me, that there's a new relationship that's created. And in that new relationship, that uh, is created, there's something that you took from me. Now you owe me. And of course, we have, we said last week that we have language for this, right? Things like uh, when someone hurts us, what do we say? We say, I'll pay you back. Why? Because we understand intuitively that there's this debtor, debty type of relationship. Well, Last week, we set it up that you, were, you had some homework to do. If you didn't do the homework, you have to leave right now, um, or you can do the homework after this service and you'll be, all will be forgiven, okay? And so the homework was simply this. Get yourself a marble notebook or in some way a recording device, and you know what those marble notebooks are, right? 99 cents, you open up, and every page, what I want you to do is I want you to write down the name of someone who harmed you. And I don't want you to be just satisfied with the people who have harmed you in the last six months. I wanted you to be able to go back a couple of seasons of life so that you could just, and again, it could be as simple as a code name. 
and then skip the page. And then, and then as you remembered what they did, just write down, what did they owe you? And we talked about that last week, so I can't give too much time. But here's the point. That sets you up to talk about how we could forgive those who have harmed us. Um, and in doing so, what will happen is, is that we'll be freed. Because forgiveness is freeing. We think we're doing somebody else a favor when we forgive them. No, no, no. Forgiveness is the gift that you receive when you give. And it's a gift that's been bestowed upon you in Christ. I'm reminded one of my favorite writers was Leo Tolstoy. I love all the Russian writers, Gogol, Tolstoy. Well, here's the, Tolstoy married a, uh, his wife, and she was young, and he had a diary. Ladies, tell me how much you like this idea. And what he did was he gave his fiance his diary because he wanted them to start off with no secrets. Already you're feeling how good an idea this is, right? And so he gives her the diary. She reads through it and had all his, like, you know, uh, sexual trysts and just like uh, all that stuff, everything in his diary. So he gives it to her to read. And it turns out that there was a peasant girl that worked for Tolstoy that uh, he had an affair with. He wasn't, obviously at that point, he didn't have an affair anymore, but she was in there. Her name was in there. And so she too kept a, a diary. And so she wrote this in her diary. I'm going to quote it for you. He relishes that peasant wench with her strong female body and her sunburnt legs. She allures him just as powerfully now as she did all those years ago. Here's the problem with the, with the passage in her diary. It was written 50 years after they were married. That lady was over 80 years old. But that's what bitterness does, doesn't it? Her powerful sunburnt legs, 80 years old. But we all recognize how easy it is for us to feel hurt by someone else and years, if not decades, still feel the pain of the wound. You see, we are going to talk about forgiveness is because in the text that we're looking at, it's the intent, Jesus intends for us to be free of the weight of bitterness that you carry and that I carry. So we're going to look at a text, a text that sort of prompted Peter's question that we looked at last week. But this is what prompted his uh, question last week. We're going to look at it. It's in Luke 17. I'm going to look at 1 through 10. Now, I know that uh, we don't do this often, but I'm going to ask. It's part of our tradition back at home. And since I'm here and I got the mic, I'm going to ask you to stand, please, at the reading of God's word. Let me tell you why we're standing, especially if you're new. And by the way, if you're new, I'm so happy that you're here today. And the reason is, is because you're going to hear how Christians struggle with bitterness and forgiveness and grudges. 
And so I'm grateful that you get to hear that, but I'm also grateful because, and then you get to uh, make a decision about whether or not you want to be in this thing called relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to look at forgiveness through that lens, through a Christ-centered lens. So I'm super grateful that you're here. But we stand because we're reminded that the words of the scriptures have more authority over us than our culture, than our feelings, than our ideas, and our thoughts. Got it? And so um, Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 10. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in, the field, in from the field, Come along now and sit down and eat. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me a while. I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servants because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. So Jesus is talking to his disciples and they stumble upon this issue of forgiveness. How? Jesus starts off by uh, talking about, you see this in verse one. He goes, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. In other words, for the Christian, there are things that can cause you to stumble. There are things that can cause you to sort of hiccup in your walk in, of faith. And there are myriads of them, but Jesus hones in on one. This issue of being slighted, this issue of being harmed, this issue of being hurt. He goes, that, let me give you an example of a stumbling block after you've been hurt. Not hurting someone else, notice. After you, it's a stumbling block. And so Jesus says something very powerful. In fact, most of our time is going to be spent, if we're going to, today, the whole focus of today is to learn how to forgive, sort of the practice of forgiveness, the nuts and bolts of forgiveness. And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, so how can I be free from the bitterness? How can I be free from the grudges in my life. So here's two major ways we can be free. I want you to see the first one. To be free of the grudges in my life, I must, number one, watch out for my response. Isn't that interesting? See, part of the reason why I believe the Bible is really God's word is because of sentences 
uh, or statements like the ones that begin verse 3. In verse 3, Jesus says, hey, there are many stumbling blocks, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to watch out for them. And then he says this, so watch yourself. Watch yourself. Wait, 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 wait. I thought we were talking about when people harmed me. See, when people harm me, if they, listen, if you and I were writing a book in order to control the masses, if you and I were writing a book in order to get people to do what we want them to do, that's not the first thing you and I would have written down. You and I would have written down something like this. I'm guessing. I know I would not have written that down. I would have written down this. Um, so watch out for them. You see the difference? You see, when I get hurt, my first instinct is to watch out for them. Oh, oh, now it's on and popping. Now it's serious. Now there's real uh, heightened tensions. But no, Jesus says, watch out for yourselves. Husbands, listen to me. When you've been hurt by your wife, you know who the most dangerous person in the relationship is? Ask your wife. It's you. Wives, listen. When you feel a perceived hurt from your husband, you know who's most dangerous in that point? It's you. The first thing that the scriptures would say is go, look out. Check yourself. Check your heart. You're about to do something you'll regret. Watch yourself it's like these animals you've seen this right where you there's a uh, an animal that's sort of like caged in a corner it's like the most dangerous thing you can do to an animal it's like to have it in a corner where there's nothing and nowhere else they can go they become the most dangerous when you and i are harmed by others The potential for harm that you have is massive. In fact, right now, if I think of the if I ask you to think about the harm that you've committed after you've been hurt, it'd be difficult for you to be able to answer that question. And the reason is, is because you have so many excuses for why you behave the way you behaved. You have interesting. You have excuses. That's interesting. But if I ask the person that you harmed, they say, oh my gosh, I didn't know that my response was going to, I didn't know that my actions were going to get such a crazy response. Now, at this point of the sermon, I should say that this message is not for the person sitting next to you or the person that you wished would have been here to listen to this message. This message is for the person wearing your shirt. I want you to take it personal. So no wives uh, elbowing husbands, no husbands looking over to your wives. Everybody, watch yourself. Because if we're going to actually go through the process of relieving ourselves of the grudges that we have, if we're going to be free from the bitterness that we own, if we're going to be liberated from the resentment that we have of others because of what they've done to us, first step, guys, 
Watch for your response. Second thing I would have, uh, the scriptures would have you do is practice forgiveness. Again, like I said, most of what we're going to see is right there in verse three. It's like right there. And so you go practice forgiveness. Well, how do I practice forgiveness? Well, the first thing I want you to see in verse three is identify with the sinner. And man, let me just say this. In our church, we, we, we give out little sheets and so you could make little notes. And we tell people that the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. So like if you want to take notes, go ahead and take notes. Because um, I promise you, you're going to need this. Like probably by the end of this week, maybe before the end of today, perhaps before the end of this service. You're going to need what we're learning today. Practice forgiveness. The first step in practicing forgiveness. This is the nuts and bolts in how you forgive. How do you forgive? Watch out for yourself, number one. Number two, practice forgiveness. How do I do that? Identify with the sinner. Do you see that? So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister, pause. When someone harms you, they are not the enemy. When someone harms, they're, they're potentially not the enemy. When someone harms you, it's not a bad idea to re be reminded, especially if that person is within the household of faith, and certainly if that person is within your household, identify with it. Oh, brother, sister. See, here's the thing. Remember how I just asked you a few seconds ago that when I ask you for the most harm that you've done in your relationship, that it's hard for you to think about, but it's very easy for the person who you harmed to think about? Remember how I said that just a few seconds ago, I said that the reason that that's so is because you have excuses for why you harmed someone else? Well, if they hadn't, I wouldn't have. Well, if they wouldn't have just done this, then I wouldn't have done that. Totally get you. Me too. I'm just saying it's not right. According to the scriptures, we want to identify. It's interesting, and this is why I bring this up. When we identify with others, it makes less of an adversarial uh, relationship. And also, what it does is it exposes our hypocrisy. When I identify with the sinner, then I have to be able to put myself in their position. Here's what I mean. When my wife disrespects me it was just the way she was raised like I can't believe you did that when I feel disrespected by my wife I was like man you you need to just like go in a corner and be by yourself I can't believe I would never disrespect you in that situation I would never and isn't it isn't it interesting that when we're hurt by other people especially in a way that we don't generally hurt others we get all very self-righteous I would I'm no liar yeah, 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 but you're a manipulator. I'm no manipulator. Yeah, 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 but you're a bully. I'm no, but you know, whatever it is, like as long as it's not you, or it's like, you know, we're, you know, we're very strong on that. So here's what I mean. When someone harms us, it, we become like a 42nd Street artist. Have you ever been to 42nd Street in Manhattan? Okay, when you go to 42nd Street in Manhattan, here's what happens. You, um, you go by and there are these people, if you give them 20 bucks, they'll sketch a thing for you. It's called a caricature. Sure, you've seen this. I'm sure you've seen this, right? And so basically is that they, um, they take a quality of yours and exaggerate it. 
right? So if you got a nose like mine, it's a really big nose. If you got ears like mine, it's really big ears. If you got a head my size, it's a really big. They're caricaturizing. They're exploding. They're magnifying your most uh, uh, weakest or or ugliest or or unique aspect of your face. You get what a caricature is. You know that's what we do when someone harms us. We caricaturize them. We make them, we go, oh, you are every bit of a liar. Hold up, sis. Hold up, bro. Have you ever lied before? Yeah, yeah, but you don't understand. When I lie, I'm saving lives. When they lie, they're just sinners bound for hell. You see the difference, right? And so we characterize them. For me, I got excuses. For me, I got, you understand. For me, I've got reasons. For you, I have accusations. For you, I have labels. For you, I have. So it's so important that we identify with the sinner. Brother, sister. So that when my wife sins against me, I go, oh man, Lord. I feel so disrespected by her in that situation with the joke that she said or the way that she said it or how, whatever. Lord, could you remind me how I'm disrespectful towards you? God, could you show me? And let me ask you, do you feel as bad as I feel now? Do you feel that when I disrespect you? You see, now we've leveled the playing field. Now it's no longer the righteous against the unrighteous. Now it's two sinners and quite frankly, I'm worse. Because she has sinned against, she has disrespected in our illustration. She has disrespected a a disrespectful sinner like myself. While I have disrespected the holy, perfect and pure God who's never done anything but be good to me. Do you see the difference? Identify with the sinner. Somebody say identify with the sinner. Say it like you're actually going to do it. One, two, three. Identify with the sinner. Yeah, go ahead and identify with the sinner, right? And then the second thing. So remember, we're talking about what it takes to practice forgiveness, right? So what, is it, what else does it take to practice forgiveness? The second thing is we, got, we have to identify with the sinner, but the second thing is we have to rebuke in love. This is tough. This is tough because as Christians, one of our hallmarks is that we're liars. You know what I mean, right? How you doing? Fine. Fine. All good. No, 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 really. How you doing? Great. Never mind that I thought about jumping off a bridge a few hours ago. I'm doing fine. We're liars. I've been around Christian communities to know. I'm one of them. And so when we're harmed, especially within the body of Christ, what we do is we say things like, it's under the blood, it's under the blood. I just recently had an experience. I mean, literally, as having a, 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 a with a person that, uh, who felt harmed by me and who I felt harmed by. And he goes, it's under the blood, it's under the blood. And then like two conversations later, it was like this terrible thing that he, I was like, um, sorry, didn't you say that was all under the blood? I'm not sure why we're, why you're, you know, you have your guns drawn. I thought you said it was under the blood. You see, 
what happens is, is we say it's no big deal and we never address the issue. And this is the reason why. We think that being a good Christian means never bringing it up and only absorbing. But that's not at all what the scriptures say. Look what the scriptures say. It's not my opinion. First, he says, watch yourself. Second, it's remember, if your brother or sister, this is uh, within a family, right? Uh, within the family of God. If your brother or sister sins against you, here it is. You ready? Everybody say the next two words. Rebuke them. Rebuke them. Now, the rebuke, now, <laughs> I know, you're like me. Here's the deal. There's, a, there's another category of uh, people that are here. You're like, rebuke? Finally. Something I can get behind. Thank you so much. I can't wait for this service to be over. Do I have some rebuking to do? It's not that type of rebuking. The rebuking that you're talking about here, after you've identified with them, after you've recognized you're just as bad and you've wept over your own sin, the rebuke, the rebuke here is more like persuade. It's the, can we reason together? Can we talk? To continue on with the sort of the conversation with my, uh, am I right? You know, I'm, I'm using it because it's a common thing and I'm a guy and so I have a wife, so that's why I'm going this way, okay? And I like uh, illustrations where I look like awesome and others don't so much. And so, you know, just flow with it if you can. Um, but if I was, you know, if my wife was here, she could say the same thing, but that's the, you get what I'm trying to say. And so, um, say for instance, my wife, you know, uh, disrespect me. So I identify with her and I got tears because I've treated the bad feeling that I'm feeling now, I've made, Christ feel because of my disrespect towards him. So now I come back to her and I go, hey, can I just, I, I feel like I, actually I don't have to come stay with this illustration. It just something happened this morning. This morning, my daughter came to the service late. And I don't know how you parents feel about your daughters coming to the service late, but I have a feeling about that. There's a sense that comes up. But the Lord told me to go up to her and kiss her and tell her that you love her. Because we were, you know, the, my, my part of the service hadn't started yet. So I just walked over to her. I said, I love you so much. And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, right. What was she responding to? Now, I didn't have the time in that moment. I had 30 seconds before I had to preach. Go ahead and try to preach after that happens. And it just, it dawned on me. I'm very sarcastic. She came in late and she thought I was giving her a backhanded compliment. She was harmed. And so I didn't have to view her statement to me. See, I, there was an identity there. I was like, oh, this was, this, I created this. And so the Lord, by God's grace, within like 20 seconds, the Lord convicted me of my own sin. I asked him for forgiveness and went up and did the best I could in terms of preaching. And then after that, she was in my office and I said, hey, I just, I gotta, I gotta confess something to you. When you came in, I think that when I said, I love you and I gave you the kiss, I think you took it like a backhanded compliment. And that's my fault. 
That's not yours. There was no disrespect. It's, it's the harm. You know, I think I'm being funny. I don't realize that as a parent, my words carry weight. And that my jokes aren't so much jokes as they are labelings. It's just like, oh. So there was a sense where God was rebuking me in that. Do you see that? Where he was kind of awakening me to my own sin. You see, when we rebuke a person, what we're doing is we're persuading them to run to Jesus. We're not persuading them to buy hook, line, and sinker everything we say. Does this make sense? So if we're going to practice forgiveness, the first thing we're going to have to do is identify with the sinner. We're going to have to rebuke in love, knowing that we are the biggest sinner in our conversations. And then thirdly, and again, it says right here in, in verse three, we're going to cancel the debt. Do you see it there? So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, here it is. You ready? Forgive them. What? Yeah. Forgive them. And then Jesus makes the impossible thing. Hey man, if they come back and they ask for, you know, seven times in a day, which of course then prompts the disciples to say, please increase our strength, increase our faith. There's no way we're going to be able to do this, but we cancel the debt. Now, the way we cancel the debt is as creative as the painful experience was. So remember, uh, last week, um, I told you about, uh, I was walking up to a corner, uh, saw a person who had done terrible, like terrible sexual uh, uh, sin uh, happen. And you can listen to that last week's message and you can find out all about that. But my, my point was, is that I was harmed by this person and I needed to cancel their debt. What happened was, is I was on a, and if you can imagine this, there was um, uh, a lot of years ago like maybe over 20, eh, about 20, no, 20 or more, more or less years ago, 20, 15 to 20 years ago. So uh, my wife is the, here's some, a cool thing about my wife. My wife is the queen of winning sweepstakes. Anybody here know about sweepstakes? Some of y'all are too young to know about sweepstakes. It used to be this thing. You don't have it much anymore, but in, you'd go into like a key food or a sea town or, you know, a supermarket. And then they have these like, things where you could ruin a cruise to so-and-so. Well, we never had any money, so my wife would literally, I'm not kidding, take the entire book, sign, you know, take three hours, sign everything, send it in, and she won this, I'm not kidding, cruise uh, to like Bahamas, Nassau. It was dope. It was like really amazing. But what was interesting is that while we were on the sea, there was like two days where you couldn't do anything. You didn't have Wi-Fi, you didn't, like nothing. And I was just left, you know, me and my wife were left with the beauty and just kind of like relaxing. And the Lord started to sort of remind me of some of the bitterness and the rage that I had been holding on to. And so I started to write out uh, what my father, you know, some like four major afflictions, but the guy in the car, he was one of them. And so I started to uh, uh, write about them and it was just so, so terrible. And then the Lord gave me this idea. He goes, I want you tonight to go into the back of the boat and I want you to throw what you wrote down into the ocean. Like it's the Atlantic Ocean, I think. The Atlantic Ocean. 
And he reminded me of this text about what he has done with my own sin. He's thrown my sin into the sea of forgetfulness. And so, so I went back there. And as I'm back there, I start to cry. And the reason that I start to cry is because canceling the debt is so unfair. It's like they don't learn. They're, they haven't even... They haven't even recognized what they did was wrong. And so I'm there in the back and I'm just sort of wrestling with God. I'm just like, God, would you help me? And I remember I wrote on the piece of paper, debt canceled. You don't owe me anymore. And so I let it go and I remember it hung up in the air forever. And then it just got swallowed up by the night. I remember going, God, would you help me to continue to forgive them? Because forgiveness is not necessarily an event as it is an ongoing process. And that as I remember the forgiveness that was given to me, I get to overflow that forgiveness in a creative way onto someone else. And if I could find all those things that I wrote down on that, those papers and I could dredge them up, then I could bring them up. But if not, that I would receive the forgiveness that God has been given to me, that God has given to me in Christ, and then I can overflow it on others. So that's how we forgive. We watch out for our response, and we practice forgiveness. How do we practice forgiveness? Identify with the sinner, rebuke in love, and cancel the debt. Now, here's the thing. None of y'all can do what I just said. Isn't that true? You can't. I can't either. And so we have to be reminded that the Christian life is not done in our own strength, but in the strength of Christ. And that's why the last paragraph here, verses 7 through 10, makes sense. Wasn't that, didn't that seem like out of place where Jesus gives that parable about the guy who has some servants coming in and he says, hey, sit there and wait for me. And then like you're just an unprofitable servant in that whole last paragraph. Well, I think that the reason it's there is because when we are submitted unto Christ, we don't get any extra Christian cookies or we get extra rewards or anything like that. But rather, when we are serving Christ, we are simply giving out what was given to us. We are unprofitable servants. And because of that, I need to remember who I am in Christ. And the first thing I need to do is remember that I'm a recipient of grace a recipient of grace. There is nothing you've ever had to give to another person that you haven't received first. You go, but I never, I never, you know, I never, whatever, something really sensitive, like cheated on a marriage. Oh, they cheated, I didn't cheat. Yeah. And then we get back and go, oh, have I ever broken my vows to Christ? Have I told him I was going to be one way and then was another? Have I, have I ever gone to other things for satisfaction, peace, and joy rather than going to Christ? Some of us do it every night. And so we remember that we're recipients of grace and then we overflow that grace. Now, if you've ever experienced something like a, a betrayal as big as the one that I just mentioned, I, you're at the right church. Connect with your pastor. Connect in your small groups. Do the hard work of healing and processing. 
because I can't possibly give you an answer for all of that in one message here. But I want you to know that if you do come to the place where you do overflow forgiveness, it's because it's been given to you and you are overflowing it onto others. Remember that you're a recipient of grace. And then secondly, I am an unworthy servant. In other words, when I forgive others, I, God doesn't owe me a fixed relationship. God doesn't even owe me that they will be like, oh my gosh, thanks for the you know, forgiveness that you've given. I feel terrible now. Would you please? And, and confessions and tears and all of that stuff. Don't expect it. I'm an unworthy servant. That's what it says in verse 10. We are unworthy servants. So now, could you imagine? Here's the deal. Could you imagine a world where you're no longer walking around with the bitterness that you have with your parent or your kids or your siblings or your coworkers? Could you imagine what life would be like if you started to practice forgiveness? Let me give you one more that's not in the notes, by the way. If you're going to practice forgiveness, and remember what we said about forgiveness, that it's like opening an account in a ledger book. Would you practice forgiveness on a daily basis? In other words, by the end of the day, would you in your evening prayers just take a moment to scroll through your day? Is there anybody you need to forgive? In other words, keep that ledger book clean and go through the process. Oh, so-and-so was disrespectful to me. I need to forgive them. God, would you remind me of how disrespectful I've been and then overflow that, disres- and then overflow that forgiveness onto them? Beloved, if we do this, here's what's going to happen. Number one, you will be a very unique church. If you're the, if you're the kind of people who identify with each other and rebuke each other in love, if you're the kind of people who cancel debts and don't just go to the next church because you had a beef with somebody over this or that, you will be a completely unique church. That's number one. Number two, you will be an unbelievably attractive individual. There's a lightness. There's a freedom that those who don't hold on. Have you ever seen someone who went all the way through their lives at 80 who held on to bitternesses? Have you ever seen that person? Have you ever wanted to be around that person? Some of it is like a family member. It's like, oh my gosh, being around them is so hard. But have you ever been around someone who has forgiven and has a sweet and light spirit? Oh, they're beautiful to be around. That's the kind of person you'll become. But it won't happen by yourself. It has to happen in community. This is the importance of getting together in your small groups, the importance of coming on Sunday, and the importance of doing work together, surrendered to Christ. I encourage you for that. Now, next week, Next week, I am not sure which one we're going to talk about. We're either going to be talking about what it looks like to, um, to forgive God, even though we really don't forgive God because God can't sin against us, but to, to what it looks like to heal from our disappointments with God, or we're going to talk about forgiving ourselves. You know how like you walk around with shame? If you have a preference, you can tell me before you leave. Let me know. But what we're going to do is we're going to continue in this series about allowing God to heal us 
in the places where we're most sensitive. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for being here with us. And I know for a lot of us, I mean, we're just going to have to listen to this message a few times and argue and fight against and just wrestle with this truth that's found in your word. Help us, oh God, to be a people who allow the forgiveness that you've overflown on us, drenched us with, to overflow on others. Help us, those who have owed you billions, to forgive those who have owed us thousands. And help us, O oh God, as we do this, to give ourselves grace. That as we write this down in the book and go through the process, whether it's a week, a month, year, or years, help us to go through it with a patient faith. Help us to write what you want us to write down and cancel the debts you want us to cancel and do it as creative as possible. That we might walk in the freedom that you've given to us in your gospel. For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen.